Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips, too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast, our listeners on Talk Radio, WWDB, and our new listeners on WPN HD2, 97.5 FM. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. Today, we have a fantastic episode that starts with an excellent interview with Pamela Horowitz, who, along with her husband, Michael, own both Provence Catering in the Philadelphia Tri-State area and Elmwood Gardens in Palestine, Texas. We will then speak with Mainline Today Associate Publisher Marie Edwards about their incredible restaurant week coming up. And we will end this excellent episode with a behind-the-scenes look at the Field of Dreams with our very good friend Chef Nate who is the culinary mastermind behind innovative catering concepts. And let's get this fabulous show started. Chef Gene, introduce your fabulous guest. Well, this introduction is a very special one to me. I get to introduce not only one of the great culinary talents in the region, but a friend as well. Chef Pam Horowitz and her husband, Michael, own Provence Catering and Elmwood Gardens in Palestine, Texas. Chef Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So, Chef, you know, this for me is, is so special because I get to you know, really speak with somebody who I not only respect as a chef and as a businesswoman, as a person, but also, you know, someone who's a friend. You came to Philadelphia originally out of Long Island, New York, and as a New Yorker, you came down and you were hired as the executive chef at the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology, and you quickly, like, blew the world away when you were asked to do the recreation of the burial dinner for King Midas that went on to become a National Geographic feature article. Tell us what that was like, what, what that entailed to do something like that. Okay, so yes, I did come down to accept the position, and shortly in, we made the Chinese rotunda the talk of the town. At the same time, Dr. Patrick McGovern was able to determine what was eaten at the funereal feast of King Midas, which made the front pages of the New York Times, so not too many archaeologists are there. And he came up with this idea to create this feast. So we met. It was like a match made in heaven because that's where he works. He's uh, an esteemed colleague at Penn. And we met, and he said he would like to recreate the feast. Here's what I found in the tomb. Here's the chemical and molecular components of the food we found in the tomb. Let's do a dinner. I have on board... Uh, you know, a, a craft beer maker who was making mead. So he gave me his his list and said, you have to use only old world food. You can't use any new world food. So I look at this list of goat, cumin, lentils, carrots, 
and have to pull together a three-course meal complete with hors d'oeuvres for a black tie event. So I did some research, and I'm looking at, it was like a puzzle, you know, like a culinary puzzle of, like, what am I going to put where? What can I use to make something savory into something sweet? So I started to dissect the the ingredients, and I put them back together. I approached him again, and the only thing that we disagreed upon at the end was I did a um, pomegranate glaze on a candy fennel tart with a chocolate truffle enrobed uh, speckled with uh, gold, edible gold. So the only thing he really, really had a problem with was the chocolate truffle because chocolate's a new world food. And he wanted me to use carob. And he was firm in his stance and I was firm in my stance because he was coming from an archaeological viewpoint and I was coming from a taste viewpoint. And I just said, I'm really not flexible on this. And he said, I'm really not flexible on this. Maybe. So I, I sort of won that, that little um, battle that we had and it wound up being great. National Ge- Geographic picked up on it. They turned it into a documentary, the New York Times, in, con- in uh, concert with the New York Times. So they were there to film it. And it kind of blew up and it, it just took off. So it was fascinating to learn his process, what he did, how he was able to determine what was eaten by what pretty much looks like dirt you know, on the bottom of your shoe. And then how that, I mean, really, and then like that came to me and then how I took that puzzle and I had to take those ingredients. Like he said, we didn't find walnuts in the molecular composition, but we found walnut wood furniture in the tomb. So I think it's safe to say that you could probably use walnuts. So it was a really interesting education on how to go from A to B with, uh, on a tightrope, you know, like you didn't really have a safety net. I, he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. I had to research. I had to research the Phrygian Empire, like who knew? And voila, we came up with this master dinner. Well, Chef, if there's anyone that would be qualified to do that, that I know, you would be that person. <laughs> I mean, you have such an extremely bold style, innovative design, and an interpretation of foods that is second to none. You know, who and, and what were your inspirations to get this outlook that you have about food? You're, you're so bold and, you know, just so in, innovative in your, in your view on food. Where did all that come from? Okay, so first of all, thank you. You make me sound like better than white bread. Holy cow. <laughs> better, than a, better than a bag of chips. Um, so when I was very young in my culinary journey, I worked at Design Cuisine under the tutelage of Rolf Stroh. And they worked custom to the client. They are a, uh, at at that point, they were a multi, multi multi-million dollar operation. Now they're the cornerstone of of the Washington, D.C. circuit. But I had never been exposed to so much diversity in food at such a high level catering to kings, queens, presidents, congressmen, going here, going there, how to put it all together. It was like, again, it was like a puzzle. All the pieces are there. They go on a truck, you unload it, and you have to rearrange it and have it make sense. So by working in their in their kitchens and being given to the pastry department one week and then the 
Garmagee department another week and then the hot kitchen another week and looking at how the menus were broken down and being taught, it fostered, it uh, started, you know, really uh, a love of food and how you can manipulate the product, how you can take the same products and make them taste completely different. You know, you give 10 chefs 10 different ingredients, you get, or the 10, same 10 ingredients, you get 10 different products. So it was really there that, uh, you know, that I learned that I learned and um, I took that love of learning with me because if you're not going to sit down to a great meal, what are you going to sit down to? Well, you know, I say, I speak this because I've eaten your food many times and not only at your home, but at the business, at the office, you know, having worked with you, you know, it, it, I learned so much. Your repertoire you know, you run, you know, Asian, Indian, you know, multi-ethnic, kosher, all these flavor profiles, some of them, you know, Indian and Asian can be so complex. You nail them all like you've done this your entire life. I mean, more so than anyone I know can nail all these very specific flavor nuances. You know, did that come about just from, you know, your love of learning or, you know, did you grow up exposed to things like that because you you deal with foods like that like you've done it all your life. I, it, it's um, a lot of smoke and mirrors, right? Now, so I grew up in a very typical meat and potatoes household. You know, my mother was an okay cook, not a great cook, but an okay cook. But as I started to work with more and more professionals and then as I worked at the museum and we had more intercultural events and then as Provence Catering started, we developed a very strong Southeast Asian clientele. So I didn't really have a solid skill set in Indian cooking at all, or Asian for that matter. And I outsourced the entire thing. And uh, the day of the wedding, a van pulled up with a load of disposable hotel pans, all of them unmarked, laid them out. And I said, hey, 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 I, I need your help. Like, I don't know what this is. You know what this is. We did it. It was fine. We had a Monday morning staff meeting. I said, what do you guys think? They're like, I thought the wedding was great. I said, okay, we're never doing that again. We're going to do it in-house. We're going to learn. So I hired an Indian chef, and I learned from him. Then as we would get more and more into Asian, I had a, a Chinese and Vietnamese chef learn more and more from him and her. So as the demands of business changed, the ability to not only learn but replicate what people want was very it's very important it's clear like i'm never going to be able to make chicken tikka masala unless i'm taught well i could follow a recipe and i could get it but it's never going to really be made with that same kind of love that somebody who grows up with it is i mean it's just innate like i could bang out 600 matzo balls like it's no big deal but if you ask someone else that is a different skill set for them. You know, they might pack the matzo ball really tight, and then you get a heavy matzo ball. You don't get a fluffy matzo ball. So, you know, every culture, every community has its own food. And what I love about what we do at Provence Catering is, and also Elmwood Gardens, it, you know, is to customize the menus. I think it keeps the staff fresh. It keeps the clients interested it keeps everybody on their toes nobody knows what to expect i love that we have a very chameleon like quality when it comes to 
to food because it enables me to like supersede all expectations. Well, the second part of all this is your CEO, your husband, co-parent of your two wonderful children, the you know person who is really the business-focused part of this, but also creative and service-minded in his own world who did not have any hospitality experience, came out of the corporate world. Michael, tell us a little bit about how that all fit. What education did did you have to go through with him? Like, how did this mix happen? Because he comes from an entirely different mindset. Totally. So my husband, Michael Yachtman, uh, was the director of business development for a spy encryption company headquartered in L.A. And his role was head of business development. For the commercial sector, the government sector was fine. And he would meet with people, get IT together, then step out and go on to the next deal. September 11th came, and shortly after, I was home because there's no hospitality on the East Coast at all. And he was home because the government sector was incredibly profitable. So they tabled his department, gave him a very nice severance. So we went from two working professionals with a live-in nanny, because our kids were so young, to two stay-at-home professionals with a live-in nanny, who we decided we didn't need anymore. And my phone started to ring. Very small. Hey, can you do dinner for 15? Can you do this? Can you do that? And then it led to something. And I said, hey, I need you to place this order. Like I'm at the kitchen table, kind of like, making hors d'oeuvres, right? And I said, I need you to place this order. I need you to call Anne, and I need you to order 10 60-inch rounds, you know, 120 napkins, da 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 I know you don't know the jargon. Just follow this sheet, order it, get a confirmation. I need you to place this rental order. This is what I need. This is where I need it, da 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 He did all of that. He comes downstairs, and he says, I know I don't know anything about this, but I know how to grow a business. I grow businesses from millions to hundreds of millions, from hundreds of millions to billions, from thousands to millions. I know I could grow this business. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, but you've been traveling for 12 years and like I'm pretty independent right now and so are you. And he's like, it's going to work. It's totally going to work. And we really went out on a limb. The kids were young and maybe six and eight and voila, Provence Catering was born. So his sales capability combined with my culinary skill set really set the stage. And we were, uh, we were out, I think we were at a party and he met someone and he said, I'm in the catering industry and boom, they hired us to do a party. We did it. And he came back, we got a phone call and it was from somebody who wanted to hire us for a 200 person event at the university of Pennsylvania. And I said, we can't do that. You don't, you don't know how to do that. He said, I know I don't know how to do that, but you know how to do that. Boom. We found a kitchen. We got up and running. We went to the meeting, got on the approved caterer status, and here we are 20 years later. So he's been like the, the real sales driving force uh, because that's what he does best. You know, he is innovative. He really does. He yeah, really thank does. You. Michael, Michael can sell with anybody I know and, and creative, and, and he, you know, has an opportunity. He'll, he'll find a way to get in that door. He's, he's absolutely <laughs> brilliant at that. So, so 
let's move forward a little bit. You, you know, you build an absolutely fabulous business here in Provence Catering. Um, you know, you, you're really dealing with some of the most prestigious clients in the city of Philadelphia. You and Michael take this bold step to open up a business 1,500 miles away in Palestine, Texas, you know, and you go ahead and, and open up Elmwood Gardens. Take us through that. I mean, what was that like, and, and how did that come about? <laughs> so we were sitting one night having dinner, and he said, I want to buy a venue. So we started a search, Vermont to South Carolina. We'd go every Sunday and Monday, and he would have all the venues lined up. We would look at them through the week, and then we would hit the road. We'd take our Golden Doodle Otis with us in the SUV, and we would go check out every single venue, and each one had a gotcha. You know, it's too close to the road. Had to spend too much for fit out. Couldn't get it through zoning. Not enough room for a parking lot. There was no infrastructure. In one place, there was, like, no hotels. There was only, like, two B&Bs. So we kept doing this process over and over and over. And he found this property. And he didn't tell me where it was. And he just had the pictures up there. And he said, I want you to take a look. at Go upstairs into the office. Look at the computer, which I did. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this looks so beautiful. Where is it? He's like, it's, it's in Texas. I'm like, Texas, seriously? We've been to Texas once. He's like, I travel to Texas all the time. It, it, it's a big state. Let's go. So he has no fear. He is completely fearless. And I am like, really? I don't know. But we got on a plane. We went for four days and checked out the property, checked out a wedding in progress, um, ate at all local restaurants. And he asked me, you know, what did I think? I said, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I absolutely loves the property. And he said, I love it too. I'm going to buy it. So he put in an offer. They took it. And we were down there. We we closed on the property. We were in by the end of the year. I know nothing about rural life. So it's a 32-acre organic property. Beautiful, beautiful gardens. For, there were three separate ceremony sites. Now there are four. We started started planting organic crops. And our, which our ranch hand takes care of with myself and Michael. We have two horses, Bette Midler and her girlfriend, Taylor Swift. Bette Midler <laughs> pulls the horse drawing. I know, right? It's crazy. She's kind of a diva. She has blonde hair and blonde mane and a blonde tail, and she's Auburn. And she's big. She's a Suffolk Punch draft horse. I mean, if oh, you wow. ask me what that was, I have no idea. I'm I was going to say, Island. do you know how many hands that is? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't, but I could tell you where Suffolk and are, but you know, a Suffolk punch draft horse, like I had no clue. So I really had to get a crash course in equine management, a, cr- a crash course in, you know, uh, where do I buy hay? I'm like, I have to go to the feed store, um, how to grow organically, how to, tr- how to grow in zone eight. I know nothing about zone eight. Pennsylvania is, I think, zone six, maybe seven, but I think we're mostly six. We're six so it's yes, been. Yeah, it's just been this like huge learning curve. And since I am an at-home Jeopardy learning curve champion, you know, um, it kind of falls into my sweet spot of, of learning new things. So even though it's rural, 
my neighbor, Ben, across the street, owns 500 acres, and he breeds Beefmaster cattle, which is the Rolls Royce of cattle. So I find it to be very intellectually stimulating at the same time that it's a completely different environment from the East Coast environment that I know only too well, and I know kind of like the back of my hand. So honestly, it's like this big adventure. And I get to meet people from all different walks of life. We're still making great days better. You know, we're still making their wedding day as good as it could be. It's going to be a great day when somebody gets married. You know, it's just our job to make it better. So um, the mindset is different. The um, casualness is different. You know, when uh, we were first there, people had weddings on paper plates. I, I had never seen that before. And I was like, I was like, really? Like my New York back went up. I'm like, seriously? But guess what? When you have 360 people on your property and it's dark out and you, and they're eating outside because you have the capability to see everybody outside because you have an outside dance floor and an outside bar and you wake up the next morning, you are so happy that you do not have broken glass all over your property. It's fantastic. So I am totally on board. I'm a convert, you know. Whatever makes people happy now makes me happy. <laughs> well, so it's, a little, it's, go ahead, Jean. Doing a little research about Elmwood Gardens, I, I love that one of the lines kind of described Elmwood Gardens as, you know, a classic chic with distinctively Texas, uh, you know, feel. So what? You know, tell us a little bit more. I, I certainly want to know a lot more about Elmwood Gardens. So Elmwood, it, it's a 32-acre venue ranch that's absolutely stunning. And it should be because, you know, why would I buy something that's not absolutely beautiful that, that's so far away if it didn't speak to us? You know, why would we possibly do that? So it's gorgeous. It has a beautiful, peaceful quality. It's very much a nature sanctuary. And we keep planting more and more every year. But, you know, the Texan culture, I have learned, is so strong. So when we were there, you know, we stayed in like a local, um, you know, uh, uh, commuter hotel, like a, a La Quinta or something that has the breakfast bar. So in Texas, you could go to a hotel, any hotel, and you can make a waffle. And the waffle is in this shape of the state of Texas. You can't do that in Pennsylvania. And I don't even think you could do it in New York, you know, which has like the whole I love New York thing or California. But Texas has like such great pride that they love what they love. And it's been a real education for me to learn what Texans love. Michael kind of got it way easier than me. He's like, we need to be able to serve a really good brisket, a really good mac and cheese. We need to present it beautifully. We need to put our own spin on it. Filet mignon does not rule in Texas. It is definitely ribeye, ribeye all the way. So, you know, here on the East Coast, like filet mignon kind of rules. That's considered the, like, top primal cut, but no, not, not down there. So, you know, it's been, as I say to people, it feels like I'm on vacation in a foreign country, but I understand the language. You know, it's just like so vastly different. Everybody's relaxed. People, jeans is the uniform. You cannot tell who owns the oil rig and who works on the oil rig most days. So the gentility is extended across the board. 
So um, you yeah, just love challenges. An adventure. I, I, you know, and and I speak this. We're going to go unrelated to food here for a moment. Diehard New Yorker, the person <laughs> who I battle back and forth with all football season because you are as big a Giants fan as there is. I'm an uh, uh, Eagles fan, and here you are going to Texas. You just love being that standout in a foreign land. Kudos to you on that. Pam, how do people find out more about Provence Catering here in Philadelphia and Elmwood Gardens in Palestine, Texas? How do they go about following you and learning more about these great places and doing events with what I think is one of the premier caterers in the Philadelphia region? And I have not been to Elmwood Gardens, but I'm sure it transpires the same down there. Oh, you will. You will one day, Jean. So you can find us online at www.ProvenceCatering.com and www.ElmwoodGardens.com. You can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. And you can also find us at uh, TexasCulinaryAdventures.com and TexasFoodieAdventures.com, which is when we open up our property on non-event evenings. Uh, we rent out the honeymoon cottage and the guest cottage, and then we also offer three- and six-course tasting menus, also custom. So um, everybody can reach us there. We look forward to hosting you and seeing you on the ranch. I look forward to it as well. Chef, thank you. It's a great honor to talk to you on the show and really learn a lot about you know what you do and, and your very special gift that you bring to the culinary world. Oh, Jane, you're too kind. You are too kind. You know, don't believe all the press, right? <laughs> I, I eat your food. They can't lie to me. <laughs> I mean, I would want to come on just to, or uh, come to Texas just to do a wine pairing with that uh, tasting menu. <laughs> Love to have you come down. Love it. Yes. I'm totally, totally on board. Thank you so much, Chef. It was an honor to have you on our show. My pleasure. My pleasure. And let's take a break. We'll be right back. East Coast Event Group has all you need for your next event. From DJs, bands, photo booths, lighting, photography, and video, they've serviced the Philadelphia and suburban market along with the tri-state area since 1980. Whether it's a wedding, mitzvah, anniversary, birthday, graduation, school, or corporate event, East Coast Event Group can make your next party memorable and successful by providing a higher quality of excellence to every aspect of your event. With over 40 years experience the event industry this family owned and operated business offers affordable pricing as well as service bundling to save you even more money with locations in trevos and ivyland pa you can call to set up a meeting so our experts can answer your questions discuss pricing and show you why they're the best in the industry remember that name east coast event group and call them toll free at 1-800-229-1960 that number again is 1-800-229-1960 or check them out on the web at eastcoasteventgroup.com or social media under East Coast Event Group. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce your fantastic guest. I'd like to introduce our listeners to Marie Edwards, who is the associate publisher of Mainline Today, to talk about Mainline Today's inaugural restaurant week. Marie, thank you for joining us. And can you tell our listeners about Mainline Today's restaurant week, which begins August 23rd? 
Hi. Thanks, Amaris. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Um, you know, we're one week away from rest, Mainline Today Restaurant Week, and we are kicking it off tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, the 17th, with our purveyor event. Uh, and the purveyor event is an industry event where we introduce our local farm purveyors uh, to the restaurateurs and Hopefully they most know each other, but it's an opportunity for all of our local communities to band together from a produce and um, just, you know, hospitality industry purveyors, uh, share information, network, uh, hopefully some meet some new uh, people, but generally it's an industry event uh, just to kick off, kick off restaurant week. I mean, and that's a great thing, too, because most of the restaurants that are participating you know, have that sustainability aspect to the restaurants and that farm to table, you know, so bringing everybody together for something like that is perfect because it just, you know, encourages that fresh is best concept. Yes, it really does. And we're also encouraging to support local businesses, support local communities, um, and uh, for, you know, our readers and your listeners to uh, put their dollars back into their local communities. Exactly. Especially with everything that's been going on, we want to encourage people to support local. And, you know, not only that, but the restaurants and in, in the chefs that are in these industries, they they hail from, like, a, they, they have a lot of history. They have a lot of knowledge. Um, and you're getting, you're getting chefs that, you know, are, you know, have worked in Michelin star restaurants, have worked, you know, have been nominated by James Beard Award nominees, and some of them have won won the award. Um, not to mention, you know, the local awards that these chefs have actually, you know, won. And you you're offering these restaurants at a prefix price for the restaurant week. So they're ha- you know, anybody who's participating in it when you sit down for these meals, they're outstanding meals. Absolutely. In fact, we're the mission of Mainline Today Restaurant Week is to encourage our readers to think of the Mainline as a dining destination. And, um, and that is exactly why, because what's been happening over the last few years, even as recent as this year, um, this past summer, is people are, you know, restaurants are opening up uh, new new locations, and uh, you know there's there's coming up with a lot of different um, a variety of food and a lot of fresh fresh produce, and that's really because of the restaurateurs and the chefs that are creating those interesting menus. Exactly, and I mean I've been to some of the restaurants that are on the list, you know, so I can vouch for the fact that they offer, uh, you know, amazing menu items. Uh, Lola's, which had opened up in, this year, uh, I believe in um, April, um, they had opened up and, and I had them. I've gone there several times. They're one of the participating restaurants. I've had everything from um, they had like a little appetizer that was with, you know, beets. I've had flatbread like they've had flatbreads um, as an appetizer that I've tried and their burger what they offer is uh, you know is definitely something that will fill you up and and again to go out and just 
find, you know, go to Mainline today and find the participating restaurants, you're supporting your community. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny, yes, Lola Gar- Lola's Garden is one of our participating restaurants. We have Sophie's Barbecue, which is also in the Ardmore area. And then we have, we really are a restaurant week covers Montgomery County, Delaware County, and Chester County. And we have a host of restaurants up and down the entire main line. Bella Italian Pizza, uh, Santusa, BYOB, which is in Bryn Mawr. We have Ryan Christopher's in Narberth. And um, the list, we have Estia, uh, 333 Bellrose, Village Vine Wine Bar, which is in Swarthmore, for those of you in uh, Delaware County. Rye, BYOB, and there's the list goes on and on. I mean, we have Rosalie, Jasper's Backyard, Amis um, Trattoria, uh, along, and right next to that is Pizza Vetri. They, you know, they just recently opened up in Devon Yard, another Pizza Vetri. Uh, Terrain Cafe, La Cabra Brewing. Uh, we have Fox and Hounds Pub at the Desmond, Stove and Tap. Uh, and the list goes on and on. The amount of restaurants that we have participating, in fact, you can see an updated list on MainlineToday.com, and if you click on our restaurant week, right now we're just uploading menus every day with, uh, you know, the final specialty items that the chefs are preparing for restaurant week. Now, are you going to continue to update the menu, like, say, in the middle of restaurant week, if somebody who's, like, one of the restaurants, you know, that's local to it would like to join, would you add that would we add a restaurant uh, into the week? If, if it makes sense, um, you know, and sometimes it might, the, uh, you know, or a restaurant might update their menu. So absolutely, as um, things, you know, um, as we get closer to, to next Tuesday, I think there'll be more and more menus being, being added. Gotcha. Uh, now, I want to circle back to, you know, not just mainline restaurant or mainline today's restaurant week, but like some of the chefs that are, you know, in these restaurants that are participating, like with Stove and Tap, um, and pr- pardon if I mispronounce his last name, but Chef Joe Monick, who is one of the co-owners of Stove and Tap that you had mentioned, um, and also was one of your best of winners. Um, he, he also with, um, with Justin Weathers, they, they own El Pastor, which is another participating restaurant. But uh, I've been to Stove and Tap as well. And their their menu is, is actually kind of interesting because they have an American, you know, based menu that sometimes has more interesting flares. Like, um, I believe there was uh, bao buns that they had made with their brisket. So it's almost like a fusion too, but... You know, Joe Joe Monick, he he has worked with um with the chef uh he was the chef du parti at Jean Georges. So that's a you know, three Michelin star restaurant that that's you know, one of the places where he started out. And he also worked with star restaurants, which everybody knows is, you know, outstanding. Before he, you know, joined the the stove and tap, joined um, stove and tap, and became the executive chef for them. So, you know, I've experienced it, and I believe our Kevin Wilson has as well. Yes, I was there. I loved it. Exactly, and you know, so the foods that you're getting during the the restaurant week, 
not only are you getting a great deal, but you're getting, you know, foods that are created from culinary geniuses. So, you know, you're supporting local, you're getting a great deal and, you know, and you're being getting an experience from somebody who is creating a menu that you are 100% going to enjoy. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, and you are 100% correct. There's across um, the different restaurants that are participating in Restaurant Week are nothing but fabulous chefs. You just mentioned uh, one. We also have Alessandro's um, and Alessandro Fiorelli is another great chef. Um, and then, uh, you know, John Sadoti, another great chef. So they, the list goes on and on and on with the um, – uh, the cooking and the skill level that uh, that that we're gonna have the opportunity to taste. Exactly, and you know, and also we have some chefs that that have studied abroad, or at least you know learned part of their trade abroad, like uh, Chef Divine, who you had mentioned, Rosalie uh, Italian Soul Food or Rosalie Restaurant is one of the the participating restaurants and. They, you know, Chef Divine learned how to hand make pasta in all the way in Italy. So, you know, this this will be an amazing event. And I hope that everybody, you know, will check out Mainline today and see the participating restaurants and make reservations. Um, now, for all our, all of our listeners who are interested in, you know, the restaurant week, where can they find it? They can find more information on MainlineToday.com, and then they'll see Restaurant Week uh, listed at the top of our header. And, um, and they can learn about our menus, uh, uh, the participating restaurants, as well as those, um, you know, sort of location-wise. It, it sets up by location, so based on where you're looking from. So it's uh, got tons of great information. And, again, please check back um, uh, during the time that you, you know, while you're planning your restaurants and which you'd like to go to, please check back regularly for updates or changes or just a, another um, location that you'd prefer to go to. Exactly. And, you know, also if you want to see what's going on on the main line, check out Mainline Today. Absolutely. We have, uh, we always have an updated list of what's happening uh, across the main line, whether it's your local boutiques, uh, shopping, Obviously, the restaurants, um, and then we have a host of many other, many other um, great topics that you might find interesting to read. All right, thank you so much for joining us, Marie, and I hope to run into you at one of the one of the restaurants. Thanks very much, Amaris. It's been great to chat with you. I'm going to actually run and make my reservation because some of those restaurants are top of the line. I can't wait. Yes, they are. I cannot wait. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many more. In addition to Talk Radio, WWDB, and WPEN HD2, 97.5 FM, every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Evening Drive Time. Send us an email to diningonadime at yahoo.com for our very low rates. Our show is now legally an LLC business. And we're back. Chef Gene, introduce us to your fabulous guest. Well, a little variation of the saying, if you build it 
or if you cook it, they will they will eat it. So our next guest, Chef Nate, the culinary mastermind behind all the creative catering and cuisine at this year's Field of Dreams. Last time we talked to Chef Nate, he was fresh from being the chef down at the Super Bowl, and in between that, he took a little bit of a break and went down to Atlanta and did the NBA All-Star Game. Chef Nate, welcome to Food Farms and Chef. Thank you, guys. It's a privilege and an honor. So, Chef, history-making baseball game out in Iowa, middle of nowhere. What did it take to feed players, VIPs, production teams, and fans? What went into this? Well, I just, listen, I wish that I could sit here and take all the honor and glory for myself, but I can't. I have a phenomenal team. Um, Without my team, it would have been impossible. Um, But I'll tell you, it, it just takes putting your head down and don't stop. Don't look up until the, the the last ball is thrown or the last hit has been hit. Um, just a lot of work. Very hot. Iowa this time of year is supposed to be very cool and nice. Um, one thing at our company, Innovative Catering, the Estates of Monroe, we bring with us. We always bring bad weather with us. And uh, we brought the heat with us to Iowa and the storms. And uh, middle of a cornfield, you would think, oh, it's nice. it must be nice and breezy. I think our, our high was 97 degrees with the humidity touch, touching at 106 degrees. Uh, just hot, humid, uh, and just corn. That's all I can say is corn for upon days upon days and miles upon miles is corn. Um, but it was, uh, it was a blast. It was a, it was a feat that was undertaken and uh, thought that um, we knew it was going to be hard. We knew it was going to be challenging. Uh, but I can't take all the glory for that as well as uh, our owner, Rocco Galelli. Uh, put together a phenomenal team, and we put together a great culinary staff and went out there and we hit the ball out of the park. Well, I mean, and and so everyone knows, you know, the day of the game, and there was a lot leading into it. You had VIP barbecue for players and, and you know, the Major League Baseball staff. You had, the, you know, galas. You had feeding of crews, everything like that. But day of the game, if I'm correct, you had in, – in, also, with some concessions going on, you had like eight different events going on day of. I mean, that's, uh, we were that's actually a big undertaking. We were actually, I think, at fourteen events the day of. Um, as a chef and any other chefs listening, they would know when I say fourteen different fire times, they would understand that. Um, starting at that morning, uh, we were on site for five a.m. Our first fire time was at six a.m., and then our last fire time was at nine p.m. And when I tell you that not one fire time had a break in between them, uh, we literally were firing upon every hour meals for the VIPs, which range from talent to ownership to sponsorship. Um, we went from that to teams, uh, the, the Yankees and the White Sox teams feeding the post bat- or pre-batting practice, post-batting practice, post-game umpires meals. Um, then, I mean, galas and you know, talent. When I say talent, you know, talk about Kevin Costner and other other different uh, other people that were there that we had to feed. Uh, and then upon the crew, uh, crew catering. Crew catering was about, I want to say, close to 2,000 that day uh, at different times. And uh, you know, with diet, you're feeding that amount of people. You have dietary restrictions involved, and there's a lot of quite a few people that had dietary restrictions. So 
you know, not just feeding everybody, you have to make sure you touch uh, everybody and help everybody. One of the things that we pride ourselves in catering, in uh, innovative catering, is that if you have an issue, we will take care of you. I don't care who you are from the guy running the gravel, the graveler, the, to an owner of a team. We will help you, we will feed you, and we will detail your meals to make sure that you can eat and have nourishment. Well, I saw some of the pictures, and I'm going to say that there was a little bit more than just corn because my favorite picture were some tomahawk steaks that were being grilled up that were weighing in between two and a half, three and a half pounds that were being served at cocktail party as well as uh, for some of the production team. How was that to work with that fresh, local, you know, Iowa beef? But in that size, those tomahawks, wow, I was ready to drive out and get one. <laughs> Man, I'll, let me tell you, that that beef out there is amazing. I, I mean, we you talk about you know having fresh beef cut sent to us you know on the east coast, but you don't have fresh beef until you're in you know the Midwest to west of the country, and that beef was phenomenal. Those tomahawks, when I tell you freshly cut, I mean we got them still kind of a little warm um, when we when we, they delivered to us went fresh to the grill. I mean when you have a product that's that good and that fresh, you really don't have to do too much to it to make it taste great, and uh, I mean it was phenomenal. I mean, from and I gotta say the pork as well. The pork was great, uh, but those tomahawks were special. And then we did do a lot with them. Uh, we fed talent, uh, we fed uh, VIPs, and then uh, as a thank you to one of our production companies that were out there, uh, we fed 41 of their staff members, and they all got their own tomahawk. That's a two and a half to three and a half pound piece of meat. Okay, you know what? We might it might be midnight, but I'm gonna eat that thing all the way through. You can guarantee that. So, <laughs> I'm over here salivating. I'm like, oh my god! You keep talking about it, and the fact that it's fresh cut, like you really cannot get better a better quality than that. And so I'm like a little jealous. Uh, so Nate, uh, uh, what are you on? Five Super Bowls now. So going on our fifth Super Bowl, yeah. Right. Fifth so Super you're, Bowl. you're working up towards your fifth Super Bowl now. NBA All-Star Game earlier this year, and now the Field of Dreams. Yeah. Does one stand out as, you know, an overly unique experience, or, you know, what stands out between those those caliber events? I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, having privilege to, to be work a part of this company that I'm working for and uh, to be able to travel different places and different parts of the country, I'm going to say my the mecca for me was the Field of Dreams. I'm a huge football fan. I'm a hockey fan. I'm a basketball fan. Um, but to see a, to be a part of something such as in Iowa for Field of Dreams, I mean, obviously, I'm sure a majority of your listeners have watched the movie. Um, but there was something unique there. If you build it, they will come. And we our slogan that week was, "If you make, if you cook it, they will eat it." Um, it was just breathtaking to see to be a part of the, to get onto the go, to go on the movie site, the field, to be able to work there, to meet the local people. Um, to see what uh, we were doing in that in that area, when I say it's a town of maybe a thousand people, uh, there's not a lot of there's not a lot that goes on there. And to go in and to be able to help the local economy by you know our we sourced the majority of our food was from the local supermarket. Um, 
And to be able to do that there, to make a difference in that town, and then also to be able to be, as again, I'm a baseball lover, I'm a father, and to share those types of uh, the atmosphere with that and my staff and to, you know, be be able to get home to that field and hit a couple balls and have a catch and to walk out of that cornfield was just amazing. And there's, I, I, we were saying it the other night with our staff on the way home was it was just a, such a special event. And I don't think we could do anything like that again. <clears throat> that would be that, that meant that, you know, is so specifically meant to us to be able to go out and help and help others. Well, well they, you know, the funny thing about this is we could all talk about how great the field of dreams are and as the executive chef at Innovating Catering Concepts, you know, you're out there in Iowa, and in the meantime, you're from, you know, afar via phone and things like that. You're managing production for the Fish Festival for 40,000 people in Atlantic City at yeah. the same time. So, you know, kudos to you, kudos to the company for being able to manage that type of events spread out through the country and do it. You know, seamlessly and effortlessly. Uh, we will have be headed to L.A. for the Super Bowl this year, and uh, looking forward to that. You know, get, getting our staff ready and ready to run on that one as well. And uh, we're actually starting our menu prep on that uh, this upcoming week. Well, and let's not forget in between you have little things like, you know, Made in America and Atlantic City Air Show this week. And oh, we yeah. have I... uh, the uh, Barefoot uh, – just a little quiet week for you in that aspect. Yeah. Hey, people <laughs> who want to uh, find out more about you and also find out more about innovative catering concepts, how do they go about doing that? All right. Well, you can reach out to us on our, our Facebook, uh, Innovative Catering Concepts, uh, the Estates of Monroe. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Chef Nate. And uh, reach out, any questions, any concerns, any help that can be to anybody, you know, throw the question out there and I'll get, get back to you. Jeff, it is always a great pleasure to speak with a friend as well as someone that I highly respect. Thank you so much. Thank you to Rocco Galelli, the owner of Innovative Catering Concepts, making you available to us for this. You know, greatly appreciate it, and God bless all the things you do, my man. Thank you, Gene, and I appreciate you very much as well. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Chef. Philly, Thank you guys. Appreciate you. Philly, Thank you. Philly Restaurant Reviews with an S dot com for more information on our show, Amorous Pollock. You can find me on social media at either Amorous Pollock or AR Pollockus. And you, if you are interested in coming on our show or being a sponsor, you can email me directly at arpollockus at gmail.com. Chef Gene. You can find me across social media at ibfoodie2 or at Gene Blum, or you can email me directly at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. That's I-B-F-O-O-D-I-E, the number two, at yahoo.com. Everybody, have a great week. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, in addition to WWDB Talk Radio every Tuesday at 6 p.m. evening drive time, email us today at diningonadime 
at yahoo.com for our very low rates. Check out our new podcast, Learn About World Cuisine, where we travel to a different country from around the world each week and give you fascinating facts about both the country and the cuisine. Our world traveler gives you his real-life experience in the country, and our wine expert gives you the best wine pairings with your cuisine. Our podcast is available on all platforms, or you can simply Google Learn About World Cuisine to listen to the show. And now listen to all of our past Food, Farms, and Chefs podcast. Plus, see over 600 restaurant reviews with photos by going to www.phillyrestaurantreviews.com. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S at gmail.com. You can find Food Farms and Chefs on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Food Farms and Chefs. On YouTube, search for Food and Beverage Information Station to see video of our show. Our Instagram page, kjw one nine seven two has hundreds of restaurant photos. East Coast Event Group has all you need for your next event. From DJs, bands, photo booths, lighting, photography, and video, they've serviced the Philadelphia and suburban market along with the tri-state area since 1980. Whether it's a wedding, mitzvah, anniversary, birthday, graduation, school, or corporate event, East Coast Event Group can make your next party memorable and successful by providing a higher quality of excellence to every aspect of your event. With over 40 years experience, the event industry, this family-owned and operated business offers affordable pricing as well as service bundling to save you even more money. With locations in Trevos and Ivyland, PA, you can call to set up a meeting so our experts can answer your questions, discuss pricing, and show you why they're the best in the industry. Remember that name, East Coast Event Group, and call them toll-free at 1-800-229-1960. That number again is 1-800-229-1960. Or check them out on the web at eastcoasteventgroup.com or social media under East Coast Event Group. Mm-hmm.